Yo, and welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast with me, Ryan Hartley, and this is episode 72 of the interview sessions. Today, I bring with me uh, an amazing guest in Emily Harbrecht. We've been connected for a number of months now. We're great friends, um, and I'm really looking forward to you hearing some insights from her, how she shows up and and helps kids through her company, Mind Tools for Kids, and how she quote. Uh, how she coaches men with with quirks it's a fascinating conversation i hope you really enjoy it um, please do like subscribe um, and and share this episode with one person in your network that you feel would really benefit from hearing what emily has to say check out the other 71 episodes on the podcast too um, but for now enjoy a great conversation much love Yo, and welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday interview sessions. Today, I have a, an awesome guest that I connected with through Esther McCann at her You Deserve Abundance event in London back in January. And Emily and I connected. Emily Harbrecht is my guest today. Emily and I connected at that event. And you know when you just meet someone who just aligns and you just think, I need to spend more time with this human being. And actually, I can't keep it to myself. So I brought her on our podcast. So welcome, Emily. Thank you so much. Um, I feel the same. <laughs> Feelings mutual. <laughs> and I'd just like to say, this is my first podcast and I'm so pleased with you. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Let's keep this as clean as we can because yeah. I was going to be inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's so good to have you join us. So please, for the benefit of uh, the listeners and the viewers, please just give yourself a bit of an introduction, who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your journey to where you are right now. Well, I'm a, a personal development enthusiast. I'll start by saying that because um, I'm one of these people that's multi-passionate. And at the moment, my main passions are helping our children to get the tools and strategies that they really need for situations like we're in today. So my um, business, Mind Tools for Kids, um, gives kids just that. We give them ways to be resilient, to manage their complex emotions. And for most children, they're all complex. Um, I'm training new coaches to go out and spread the message and help them do that. And then I do some work on the side in my other business with men predominantly who are dealing with anger issues, big emotions that, do you know what, if they'd have had those tools when they were kids, they'd probably be having a different experience now. Mm. So this is a real vocation for me, as cheesy as it sounds, I would do this even without financial, you know, whatever. It, it just is who I am. I've always been that strange little geeky sage in the playground, you know, with the, um, you know, the, the stories and positivity and wanting to guide yeah. people and help them on their way. So um, I've been doing this about 12 years. Who knows where it will go, Ryan? I hope by meeting people like you, we'll do great collaborations and open up many possibilities. I love that. And, and I think just to pick up on the words you used around multi-passion and, you know, my background is policing and a, a lot of that kind of defines who people are, you know, um, people seem to get defined by being a police officer. My dad was a prison officer. Um, you know, people, whether they're photographers or coaches, they can, they can get wrapped up in what, who they are in terms of what they do. But I love the fact that you come at it from a multi-passion and what connects the things that you do what is your heart what where, where are you where are you coming at it from i 
you know what? It's only really in the last few months have I finally consciously seen the connection because I, like many people, had would do my work, love doing my work, always working on um, the end user rather than marketing it. And I struggled to sort of think, where's the correlation? But actually, when I look at it, what comes through for me is the, the personality piece. We are trying to fit into certain boxes in life. So at the core of my work is to just scrap that and to really focus on our individuality, our quirks, our mm. little edges that we might be told we need to sand off, to embrace them and to just celebrate individuality and to make it okay to just be who we are. That really is mm. the thread that sort of emanates through everything I do. Mm. How would you describe a quirk? Well, so for instance, strengths and weaknesses. I think that's just such a sort of old hat way of looking at things. We all show up in different situations in different ways. And I think mm. depending on the social context that we're in, some of our behavior may seem appropriate and some of it may seem a little bit atypical, a little bit quirky. So in the context of some of the gents I work with that might be doing really well in business, might be mm. doing well in the workplace, they might be quite fired up and passionate and they're seen as being overly emotional when actually what we want is for gents to be able to process this stuff. They may have self-imposed quirks, things that sure. they feel aren't societal norms so anything where anyone feels that they're on the outside and that they feel that's a quirk i'm happy to help them flip it and hold the mirror up so they can look at it from another perspective love that so you've been doing this 12 years how do you get into it i always wanted to coach and when mm. i was in my early 20s i thought you know what i need to be seriously gray to do this I've got to be like 25 years older before I can do this because people won't want to take me seriously. Mm -hmm. But then I was in the workplace and I started to do some workplace stuff. And I thought, you know what? Actually, people are willing to listen to me. I can actually do this right now. So I did. And I started with just absorbing as many self-help books, some of the early favorites like Dale Carnegie, um, some of the presentation stuff, meeting people, communication, and it's just snowballed from there. So this is what I do for kicks, for fun, for happy times, sad times. It's just become really intrinsically part of who I am on an identity level. Mm. I, I often talk about do what you love, and that doesn't mean you get a free pass and it's all easy. And there's often sacrifices. I guess the question is, A, do you love what you do? And B, have there been sacrifices along the way? I do love what I do. And there are continual sacrifices and moments where I have to, for myself, step out and look through a, like a third person perspective and think, am I over focusing on this? Do I need to make more space in my life? Am I enjoying this so much that it's, it's hard to work out where the balance lies? That is definitely something that I, I feel within myself at the moment, especially with the current climate that we're in, where I really feel that despite whatever might be going on in my own life, it's time to show up and drop anchor for the people around us that need it. So yeah, the love for it gives me so much energy that when I stop and I'm, I'm on downtime, I'm probably still working on it. I then start being creative with how I can bring the message to more people. So I think mm. for me, I look at it this way. I will never retire from this, Ryan. 
ever. Mm. I never mm. see myself retiring. I know at times I have to manage my own energy and have a bit of rest and recuperation, but this yeah. is such a part of who I am and how I, I show up on a daily basis that I'm just joyful that I've found it and I get to mm. do this. I love that. I love your passion for it. And you and I have very similar views on what makes a good coach but what do you think makes a good coach i think presence and i don't mean presence as in like you know like look at me i'm here i mean just switching off your own internal dialogue completely completely so that you're totally present with that person in front and if you're absolutely present for that person and you're willing to hold the space for them to show up with vulnerability and you have the right intention for them to get what they need from the experience then i think really i'll go against the grain and say that's all that's really needed to be a great coach we get so caught up in models and questioning frames and all this stuff that that can mean that the coach is so focused on that they're missing what's really there in front of them it's a really good point to come in on because the the executives you work with the busy people might take a lot of time to slow down and switch off and and they'll get home and there'll be young people around something i've personally struggled with in the past is being present after a busy day um you know and, it, and it's a it's a core skill of a coach it's a core skill of a parent you know how would you support or or challenge people to become more present i think i i always come from a beliefs and values perspective because mm -hmm. again i think a lot of us have been taught that we can't have it all and that there's always going to be one casualty in our lives and for a lot of people that can be their family life or spending time with others and i think by demystifying that and saying actually we can't have we can't put things in boxes anymore we need to look at our life as a whole and shifting their feelings around that they naturally start to understand they can make more time for it they can stop and say actually that this is as important as my work so there's no longer that sort of internal conflict with it it's more understanding that we are whole we don't have to put this facade on when we put a certain hat on mm. i love that because that's that's very true in leadership as well what's your view on leadership oh, i'm so passionate about leaders emerging now with values at the, mm. the core, I mean, we all have our own beliefs and values, but really unifying that in the culture of the environment that they're leading and creating a vision so compelling, so heart-led that actually mm. the people want to follow and engage in it rather than being the old traditional manager or browbeaten into doing it through fear. So yeah. for me, leadership is turning on its head and we are seeing change in that now we're seeing a lot of it right now with the current climate with you know scaremongering and things like that we're starting to see the whites of people's eyes and whether they are heart-led and whether they are really there for their people but i think mm. especially as we move more into the sort of ai world where we have all this fear about things being more robot-led that the heart-centered will triumph because we will be needed we, you can't replace that that is what's needed really to glue people together in times of adversity and to inspire them to be part of something. Mm. Mm. I love that. And um, you and I are connected by loving helping the next generation. Um, 
Yes. What's the legacy of Mind Tools for Kids? I, I know that you're scaling to have greater impact, but what's the legacy? Oh, that's really interesting. Do you know what? It's been really funny for me because when I first started Mind Tools for Kids, I was really reluctant to have my own name associated with it because mm-hmm. being an introvert, I felt like, oh, that's just like, I want this to be big and I can't have my name there because I'm not really about me, me, me. It's about this thing. And actually that's what's helped me to grow it. I see it as a vessel. It's the legacy is for children to learn to have the skills so that rather than like I was saying to my coaches last night, I don't want them to be these magicians that can wave a magic wand for kids. I want them to teach children so that they can do that for themselves and they can transfer it into other areas of their life. So mm. I'm looking to, in effect, make them their own coaches so mm. that they go through with a completely different set of filters than they would have had into their adulthood. And that mm. the problems that would have been there are no longer there because they have the ability to to stop, to notice what's happening in their body, to relate that to emotion, to think about it logically, to reframe it, and to actually then come from a place of resilience. Mm. So it's it's developing the legacy. I've been so overwhelmed this week with the coaches coming on board, stepping up really early on into their learning process we're only three weeks into the program and already they are giving so much of themselves because they realize that this is what they're meant to do and that Mm. the children need them now it's done so much for their confidence it's really made me think how much bigger i could make this with them Mm. on board and how we can spread a message about love about resilience and just Mm. letting kids feel heard to know that it's okay to feel Mm. Yeah. yeah i love that and um there's that phrase isn't there it goes something along the lines is it's 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 better to help a child than to heal a broken adult or something like that gosh yes it's yeah. real uh, proactive and, and i love that sense so the government come in tomorrow and they give you a call and they say emily we need your help to shape the syllabus for the next five years um, and we want to have a mind tools for kids syllabus what's what's on it what, what are some of the what are some of the tools that uh, the kids up and down the classroom will will start to learn and equip themselves with well i'm super ready for this so i accept your offer Mr. Governor Fisher. We will start with teaching them some triune brain theory so they can start to understand on a simplistic level what is going on for them. Maybe they can look at some of the experiences that have not been helpful in their life and they can understand how to shift those within their body. They'll learn to make sense of their emotions and understand about their developing brain. I think it's really important that they learn what's going on so that they have the understanding, not just a shiny tool that gives them a quick fix. So that would be where I'd start. I would then go in to start to show them all the resourceful states and experiences they've already had in their life and to help them to access those and be super flexible in how they behave in certain situations. So Mm. that gives them some choice. And then I would start to look at all sorts of other exciting things like how they can use anchoring consciously in their life so that they can feel really amazing in certain situations and then we can play around with things like learning strategies and you know what my favorite bit is that i do with kids is helping them find their voice helping them find what's really important to them and thinking not about like 
what job will I do? Because I really believe that the word career is dying out. Mm -hmm. But to say to them, if you could fix something right now, if you could be part of a solution in the world, what would you really feel passionate about that being? What really gets you thinking, yes. And I've seen even the most shy and timid child who's really feeling like lost in the world, that question alone can make them puff their chest up and feel so empowered. And I think when we do that, that's when we create the heart-centered leaders of tomorrow, mm. people with big vision. I love that. I love that. And um, you have lived and you've breathed this for so long. Um, for those parents that are listening to this podcast right now, what are the simple one or two things that they can do right here, right now to, to make a difference to their kids? I think one message I'd give to parents is be mindful of labels. We often do it to protect them. It's mm. in our nature to want to do it, to protect our kids, to say oh, they're shy. It's, it's part of who we are. But be mindful because actually for children, these words are very subjective and these mm. labels can stick. And actually that when we try and then teach them strategies, it can be quite hard for them to have that identity shift. So I would say shift your focus on really connecting with your child in the moment. Mm. Do some self-care for yourself first, because I know they challenge us on such a cellular level that sometimes things come up for us and we think, where did that come from? Way, way back. But mm. connect with them in the moment and be curious about how they are showing up in that situation rather than what specifically they're doing. Look mm. at whether their physiology is a certain way whether their breathing's changed and give them a little bit of time and space to to process what's going on help them talk through what they're experiencing and to process their emotions whatever it is they're experiencing because when we hold the space for our children we connect and we allow them to have that experience we validate it and that's when they can start to regulate and then they will become independent children that can manage their own ups and downs. Mm. You coach people at both ends of the spectrum in terms of the young and the, I would say old, but like the adults. Do you see manifestations of things when they go unresolved at a younger age, like play out later in? Are there, are there vulnerabilities and weaknesses that, that, that yes. transpire if, if they don't develop these tools? Yes. Absolutely. In so many different situations, um, you might see someone that really holds back in life because they've learned that behavior or it's a safety mechanism that they've learned in early childhood. It can yeah. happen at any time. Also, you could think on the surface of it, maybe think any adults watching this, you could have had the most idyllic childhood, but there might be something that was the difference that made the difference for you that went on and had an impact. My message would be, it doesn't matter how old you are, our brain is plastic. We can mm -hmm. stretch it, we can fire off new neural pathways and we can change things. We just mm -hmm. need to do the work to do that. We need to be consciously aware of these patterns, notice them, and then start to look at how we can go back and soothe and deal with, deal with the emotions and actually bring the logic back to it and choose a better mm -hmm. way. So it's mm -hmm. easier when we do it in childhood. And I think to get the opportunity to work with kids and do that then is great, but all is not lost. We can still do that. And do you know what? I think being a parent is one of those times where we think, God, where did that come from? Things do come up for us. Mm. And it might even be, for instance, 
might be things around money in the household when we were kids or our attitude mm. towards food or whether we felt loved or not. Whether mm. it's real or imagined, these things, they just pop up and they pop up because we are ready to look at them and to fire off new connections and, and give ourselves another way. Yeah, very true. You talked about being the sage, the timid, and uh, even some of those limiting beliefs when you first looked at coaching. And you know, what's really helped you embrace your quirks? I think for me, the biggest thing that's helped me is realizing and accepting how introverted I actually am. For years, I just ignored it and thought, I just don't get on with people. I just don't mm. get on with people. I don't like groups of people. When actually, I just charge my energy up in a different way. And I personally value connection on a deeper level, one-on-one -on -one where I can really like look at the stars with someone and say, what is this all about? When mm. I realized that, I gave myself permission to just show up as who I am and to sure. say, this is who I am. And it's made everything a lot easier, meeting people, being who I am. More people have come forward and said, well, I feel like that. So um, it just shows that we're all there in our own minds on our own journey, but we're not, we're not dissimilar from the next person. It's just, I think a lot of us have been trained to sort of button it up and keep it in here. Mm. What have been some of the... Um really key pivotal resources whether it be books education self-reflection that, that have helped you along your way oh my gosh well I think for me when I first started all the NLP stuff I decided I immersed myself in on such a like level when I first went and did my training I thought I will be at the mercy of the process and rather than watching and learning I'm going mm. to work this through to the very core of who I am and mm. I cleared up things like IBS that I'd had for years, terrible mm. tension, headaches, um, stress issues that had manifested in my body. And mm. there was no better convincer strategy for me than to walk out of that experience suddenly free and not feeling these horrendous feelings that I'd had in my body. That was a real big moment for me. And it really taught me that the mind-body connection is, is everything. It's cannot be ignored it's such a huge thing and it has shaped my work especially with the children it's made me strip out all the jargon and just really relate everything back to how we connect the physical and the mental mm. so that's been really big lately i would say it's been more the work of people like dan siegel um Dr. Russ and trying brain theory, things like the upstairs, downstairs brain, bringing a little bit more neuroscience into it. Because mm -hmm. I think, especially moving forward, it helps to bring these softer skills in with elements of science. It's a nice way to, I could see this rolling out in the curriculum with children if we start to link it a little bit more, not just about PHSE, but also bring the scientific element in. So yeah. that's definitely influenced me, I'd say in the last 12 months. Yeah, love that. We said at the very start that uh, we were connected by being co-members of the Positive Mindset panel. What's your top tip for people that want to develop a positive mindset? Top tip? Oh, gosh, there's so many. I would say we all have a sat-nav in our mind. We all have one. But we're sometimes very good at putting in the coordinates of where we don't want to go. 
but we go around in circles. So my advice, if you really want to have a positive mindset, is to number one, decide where you're going, even if it's just up the road. Just go forward, set the coordinates to where you want to go and stay focused on that. So, and I, I use this example for people that are in an unhappy relationship. You'll hear people that are in an unhappy relationship. Oh, everyone I meet's like this. I only meet people that are like this. Well, who would you like to meet instead? Well, I don't mm. want to meet someone like that. Well, what do you want instead? So I do this with children all the time. I'll say, all right, if you don't want the ham sandwich, what do you want? Let's mm. set your mm. sat nav on the direction that you want to go. And it's amazing how many people unconsciously aren't doing that. And I really think that that's the difference that makes the difference. If we just say, not there, here, that a lot of stuff just goes because it's not in our line of vision anymore. I love that. I love that. You know, my ethos is about always better than yesterday. I'm just curious to know what the phrase always better than yesterday means to you. Ah, oh. what springs to my mind instantly with that phrase is, kindness to self mm -hmm. and I think it's more my message from it so I'm a real optimist I'm very forward focused very future focused so for me it <laughs> skipping the present and going from yesterday to forward seems a natural thing to do but I very rarely look back I'm always so focused and in times I will not give myself credit for what I've achieved but mm. by actually saying always better than yesterday it gets me to go back and be kind to myself and think, okay, well, that was pretty good as well. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting time shift to do that. So yeah. I love that concept. I really, really do. Requires a benchmark, doesn't it? And to have a benchmark, you've got to look at what you've achieved to date. Exactly. Love that. And acknowledge it rather than just quickly deleting it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how can people connect with you? Where can people find you and find out more about what you're doing and, and how to connect with you? I have um, a busy, buzzy Facebook page that I keep nice and light and full of all sorts of helpful things for kids and parents. I also have a parents Facebook group where we share ideas um, where people can come and just show up and be vulnerable and say, mm. I don't know what to do with this. Mm. And um, well, my new coaches are in there now doing their thing. So if you feel like you want to open up your mindset to maybe learning some new tips and strategies, or you want somewhere to go and just offload and think, is this just me? Then please do reach out and connect. Yeah. I love that. And for the executives, what, who should make contact with you? I work with guys predominantly who are doing really well, but are rubbing people up the wrong way and it's becoming a conscious problem for them. It's not something that can be sort of left to, to drift away. Um, I mostly meet these gents on LinkedIn and I think we, we find each other in this sort of cathartic way at the right moment in time. So we can connect on there and we can have a conversation and see where you're at and I can share some of my tools and tricks so that you can just be who you are but with a slightly softer edge in the right situation, just so it removes some of the blocks and you can do what you intend to do with a bit of mm. finesse. So, um, yes, I'm, I really love social media being an introvert, Ryan. It's, it's great to be able to connect with people all over the world. It's, um, well, look, it's just such a great thing, isn't it? Yeah. 
used intentionally absolutely and yes. and before we wrap up i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to spend it with us and to our viewers watchers listeners to who've made it this far through uh hope that there's been one thing that is really standing out for you within this interview that if you put into practice will help you be better than you were yesterday um and emily please do us the honor of leaving a, a final thought from yourself my final thought is um refer to ryan's message give yourself credit for what you've already achieved even if it's something that you think is really small that is something to give you the momentum and when you're thinking about your tomorrow focus on the direction you want to go in not what you don't want instead i love that thank you so much thank you There we go. Thank you for making it to the end of episode 72 of the interview sessions. That was Emily Harbrecht. What a wonderful, wonderful lady. Uh, my favourite bit from the interview was, there was a number of things, but I think the question that she asked young children about if they could be part of a solution to any problem, what would they love to solve? Um, it really ties in very nicely with the fact I love helping young people and old, all walks of life, do what they love. Um, I think it brings a whole new level of energy to it, to how we show up. And, and I think Emily's question is a real great way of being able to inspire young people. Um, we've all got something that we can show up and give our gift to the world. And, and I love the fact that Emily is is helping so many young people. Um, please do head over to the Mind Tools for Kids, either on Facebook or her website. Go and find out more about the work that she's doing there. Share it with a fellow friend or parent. Get inside her Facebook community. Um, and yeah, thank you for making it this far through the podcast. Really appreciate your love and support. I hope that I continue to serve you well with amazing, inspiring guests. And I look forward to bringing you episode 73 next week. Much love. <laughs>